thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill. And This Week in Wellness, the Cancer Council is reporting that only 16% of Australian secondary school children meet the recommended guidelines of physical activity. And the story is even worse for our girls, with just 9% reaching that mark. This despite over three quarters of the students acknowledging that both their parents and their school had encouraged them to participate in sport and physical activity. The Cancer Council's National Secondary Students Diet and Activity Study found that whilst physical activity had improved slightly over the last decade, it was still well short of the mark. The survey found that 61% of teens now get the recommended 60 minutes of physical activity at least four days a week, compared to just 52% in 2009-2010. Claire Hughes, Chair of Cancer Council's National Nutrition and Physical Activity Committee, said that physical activity in teenage years sets up good habits for your adult years. Being physically active reduces the risk of an unhealthy weight gain and reduces the risk of developing 13 different types of cancer later in life, including endometrial, breast and bowel cancer. So we really want to see as many teens as possible setting up good exercise habits while they're young. She went on to say that when they looked at the combined cohort, over half of the students said that lack of physical activity options in schools were a barrier, and almost as many, 48%, said they were too far from school to walk or ride. The most common barrier to physical activity cited by girls was self-consciousness when undertaking physical activity. Ms Hughes concluded by stating that we want to ensure that there are the systems and environments in place for all young Australians to develop strong physical activity habits that they can carry on, reducing the risk of health problems, including cancer, later in life. As always, the links are in the show notes. Now, my opinion on this is that there is much more to movement than just not getting cancer. Yes, these are definitely concerning numbers. We really need to be trying to get our kids moving much more than they already are. But getting them moving is about way more than just not getting cancer. It's about quality of life. It's about being able to do the things that they would love to do. And let's face it, not getting cancer is not a great motivator for a teen. They're not worried about getting cancer. They're not thinking about later on in life. So we need to be thinking about what motivates them. What's their why? What's their purpose? Do they want to play football? Do they want their brain functioning well? Do they want to be able to go and play with their friends or their family? You know, what is it that they want to be able to do? And how is movement an important factor in helping them get there? We really need to tap into their motivations, understand what they want to do so that we can get them on the same team as us, not be seen as just nagging them. You know, we're already seeing that three quarters of parents and schools are encouraging these kids to be physically active, but clearly the way that they're doing it just isn't working. And it's fair enough. You know, I think we need to encourage them about the benefits of moving, not just the dangers of not moving. You know, moving enough to just not get sick isn't enough. They need more than that. They should be hoping for more than that out of their life. And while we're at it, they should be hoping to be capable of more than just walking and cycling. You know, I understand that these are the things that have been shown in the research to help with reduction in cancer risk. But really, is just being able to walk and cycle enough? What about a variety of movements? What about the importance we've seen in the research of lean muscle mass? What about the effects on our metabolism, the effects on our energy, the effects on our productivity, the effects on our capability to do a whole range of different things out there in the world that we may want to be able to do, whether it's caving or rock climbing or playing sport or going to the beach and swimming. You know, all of these things, all of these capabilities, I think, are important for our kids to have not just being able to walk or cycle. And so 
you know, I think we do need to make sure we've got more options in the schools. You know, we're now seeing a lot of schools who are investing a lot of their space in STEM, in science and technology, in in um, you know, laptops and computers and all those sort of things, which is wonderful. And that's really important. And some kids thrive in that area more than others. And it's important that they are looked after as well. But it concerns me when we're seeing schools selling off grounds, selling off facilities, when what we really need is more space. We need to encourage our kids to be getting out there and getting moving. And you know, one of the things we've seen reported is that it's too far to walk or ride to school. And I'd be really curious to see the stats around this and this perception of what is too far. You know, I'm sure if I spoke to my parents, they would tell me that they walked long distances to get to school far more than I doubt. I assume that many of our kids are saying is too far to travel today. So where does this perception come from? You know, is it the parents that are impacting on this or is it the students that are having this perception that it's too far to go to school? Is safety a factor? You know, and how can we overcome this? How can we change perceptions around how far is too far to walk or ride to school? How can we change perceptions around catching public transport to school, which hopefully would include some movement and some walking on the way? How can we encourage our kids to keep playing before and after school? And how can we make it safe for them to do so? You know, these are things we need to consider. These need to be thought of by schools and be thought of by governments and be thought of when it comes to planning and infrastructure that's being added into our suburbs. We need to make it more available for kids to be able to get out there and move and we need to do a much better job of motivating them and showing them why they would want to get out and move. You know, that is going to be personal. That's going to be individual for each kid, but it's definitely possible to help do that. And, and that needs to come not just from the schools. I think sometimes parents want to just pass the buck and say, well, the school's not doing this and the school's not doing that. It definitely needs to come from the parents as well. And we need to be setting a great example. We need to be great role models in that regard. So we need parents and teachers to be out there being physically active, sharing stories of their kids of what they've been doing, what adventures they've been on, what run they've done, what hike they've done, what sport they've been participating in, because it's by role modeling that they can have the biggest impact on the kids. So I think it's important to remember that movement is not just about not getting sick, right? Movement is an essential nutrient, not an optional extra. It's needed by your body. It's needed by your nervous system and your brain. Roger Sperry, the Nobel Prize winner, said that movement of your spine is like the windmill that generates the power to your brain. You know, that's obviously why we're really passionate about that as chiropractors. But as chiropractors, we can get the spine moving, but it's up to the individual to get out there and move it to get the full benefit. You've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash This Week in Wellness. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to drbretthill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.